Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Blue Oval Podcast. I am Ben Weissel, and joining me, as always, Garrett Zatlin. How's it going, man? Ben, I certainly can't be any better than you. Uh, tell me, how does it feel running the 342 or now being part of the very prestigious Sub 150 Club? What what feels better? Well, running the 342 felt way better afterwards. After I finished the 150, I was just like down for the count for the next 15 <laughs> minutes. That's uh, uh, you can't you can't say 150. You just got to say 149 yeah. now. Under, yeah, under 150. That that sucked. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I think I'd go with the 342. I, I don't know. I, I see myself more as a miler, but being under in that 149 and under club is is pretty cool. For me, the 342 doesn't carry as much like clout right as maybe the 149 does it's like i'm a sub 150 <laughs> guy which could mean like any range of times but uh the 342 is everyone's like so like how like what is that yeah, in what miles you got right you got it yeah like you can't uh, like someone who like ran in high school or like middle school like for two seasons and ran the 800 a couple times like can get an idea of that but the 1500 it's like uh, who's Ben Weissel? I don't really care. All right, never mind. Moving on. Um, yeah, yeah. My uh, high school runners were way more impressed with the eight hundred. That's <laughs> well, I'm impressed with both of you. Um, I'm also in, well, both of you, both of your performances, and I'm also impressed uh, with all the performances that we had this past weekend, including someone who actually gave us another five star rating review. We're at one twelve, so shout out to them. Yeah, keep leaving us uh, five star ratings and reviews. We got one, like Garrett said. Let's let's make it two this week. Let's let's keep uh, climbing that ladder. Um, but like Garrett said, we had a lot of really solid performances across the board. Um, so we'll jump right in, and and nothing more solid than a collegiate record to start us off with. A thing Mo running one fifty seven, making it look pretty easy. Negative splitting it. I, I mean. Obviously, we knew she had her, this in her after her 158 indoors, but still to go out and run 157, I, I mean, it just puts her in such a different class than the rest of the NCAA, and it makes you wonder, does does this kind of performance make her more likely to run the 800 at NCAAs now that she's had even more success in that event? Well, I think it certainly incentivizes and helps her, uh, you know, better push her towards the 800 meters. But I still don't think that she's a lock to run it. I think she should. I think this certainly pushes her in that direction. But I'm not sure if, if this is it. I do think that finishing second in the 400 uh, at, during indoors, having not run the 800, a massive collegiate record, being by far, in a way, the best 800 meter in this year's women's 800 field. You think those are enough incentives, but we also thought the 158 would be enough incentive as well. Well, I, I mean, it's interesting. I think for her, her sights aren't just on the NCAA championships anymore, right? I, I mean, this right. is an Olympic year. And I think wh whatever her and Coach Pat Henry kind of decide is best for her moving forward to the Olympics and stuff, I, I honestly, I, I wonder if that'll play a role in her, her decision to run the 800 or not at nationals. That that is true because trying to run back to back, not back to back, but you're trying to run, you know, eight hundreds that close together as fast and as competitive as we think they will be, you know, for for some athletes it's not a big deal. It's just like it's an eight hundred, and you're, well, I don't even know what the, the time difference is between the NCAA championships and right. between the Olympic trials. I, I'd have to go back and look at it, but I think it'd be fairly close enough. It's about where a you week, have to, I think. 
yeah. about a week. I mean, that's that's not an easy turnaround. So the idea that, hey, maybe you get something speedier, do some speed work in the 400 and come back for the eight at the Olympic trials, I think that might have to be considered. And I think that actually has to be considered for a lot of the top names now that we're mm-hmm. thinking about it. Hey, it's a week out from the Olympic trials. If I'm Cooper Tier, if I'm Cole Hawker, how set am I on the national championships? I'm not sure I am. Yeah, no, that, that's a great point. Something that we should probably yeah consider more often. There are other really good 800s run across the country on the women's side, though, too. Aaliyah Miller in that same race ran two flat. Uh, we saw Amber Tanner run 201. Gabrielle Wilkinson run 201. And Michaela Miller also run 201. I, I mean, you, you kind of touched on this in your kind of first thoughts article. But 201, I mean, before would have been seen, or Michaela Meyer, excuse me, um, would have been seen as a like all right you might be a top three threat in the ncaa but then you see five women run that time or faster it's hard to say where all these women will uh, line up at the end of ncaa's yeah it's it's really difficult i mean like this is not a diss on anyone but i know we were saying a sarah hendrix 201's really impressive but this year you just saw gabrielle wilkinson return and amber tanner and 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 now uh, you know michaela meyer who is obviously an, an outstanding talent you know it's it's not getting any easier if anything it's getting a lot harder um now granted i think there is some potential for meyer to run the 1500 meters after running 411 which we'll talk about a little bit later and maybe that takes her out of the equation possibly but i mean i mean you look at this and it's like you know who is the favorite if Moo doesn't run? And I think it's probably Aaliyah Miller, but you could really make the argument for like a six or seven different women if Miller doesn't isn't able to sustain an aggressive pace again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, what we've seen out of uh, Amber Tanner over the last few weeks, I, I, I feel like you have to have a lot of confidence in her. Um, I mean, we haven't even talked about like the Lindsay Butler and um, the Lori Bartons of the world very much this year. And they're obviously both would, would be two names that would definitely be in the hunt as well. Yeah. Like Shafiqwa Maloney ran yeah. 202 <laughs> and we're not even talking, like it's not even on our list right now, which is why like Imogen Barrett, who's traditionally a mile f- uh, 1500 meter runner ran 203. We're not even talking, like it's not even on our list. Like that's absurd when talking about how fast and top heavy the women's 800 is this year. Like I think we, I think Book Faggio from from Richmond ran yeah. two hundred three earlier in the season, and it just we just didn't even touch on it. It's how crazy that is. Um, like the women's eight hundred is wildly deep this year, and I think you can run two hundred one. You know, it, it can be any one of these women that just did it this past year, and I think someone's going to be left out of the regional prelims. You know, I think you're, we're going to get to that point where it's just too deep. These races are going to get too tactical. There's going to be too many top tier women in one heat, and a few names are going to go home. Surprisingly, I think more than we expect in the women's 800. Yeah, and I think we might see that in other events, and we'll we'll probably touch on that later. I think regionals this year could be a little bit of a bloodbath. I mean, if they stick with the, if we're going to have 32 people, that first round might not be that difficult for people to get out of, but that second round to go from regionals to nationals could be really, really tough. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not confident about that for really everyone except like Miller and Moo in that women's 800. So we'll, we'll see maybe a few others, but we'll see. Uh, On the men's side, we saw a couple of 147s run Brandon Miller of Texas A&M. We saw Walid Suleiman uh, drop down a distance and, and run a good time in the 800. And then we saw Thomas Doyle of North Florida, um, run 147 as well, a bit of a, a standout performance for him. 
Um, you have to like what you see out of Miller, though, con- like continuing to improve almost every single race that he runs in. Yeah, I mean, he's young, and you would expect him to falter, kind of like the Ameris Tanisima, you know, argument here. You'd expect him to falter, but he just gets, keeps getting a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better each and every week. And from that point, I think it's like, well, okay, so now he has the SEC indoor title. Mm-hmm. He now has consistent improvement. He hasn't really given us anything to argue about he's putting together multiple wins and oh by the way now he has a 147 time that kind of puts him into a nationally competitive it kind of completes his resume if you will i don't know if you agree but that it kind of completes his resume in a way despite being a freshman right i i think once he won that uh sec indoor meet i think that was a really good sign of he could be a challenger on the national stage but he wasn't at nationals because right. he didn't have the time and so i think this 147 really puts him in that category of now he at least has that top end PR to kind of match whatever tactical prowess he clearly has as he's been winning all these races. So I I think that's an absolutely a great point. Um, Why don't you, do we want to move on to the next event that we were going to talk about? Yeah, I'm not really, I don't think we have too much more to say about Suleiman and Doyle for Doyle was a massive breakout performance, but you're going to get those performances. And then for Suleiman, we've seen this before, you know, we've seen him kind of run that fast. It's not that surprising when you run 336 for 1500 meters to run 147 so yep agreed well this week was the week of the uh, 3k steeplechase we saw a lot of fast times whether it was at the eku meet uh the virginia challenge i think we saw some uh in north florida as well i I mean it was just a huge week uh for the steeplechase and leading that off was ahmad jazzery of eastern kentucky running 823 on his home track finishing behind Craig Novak, who ran, I think, the world lead in 821. Um, just an outstanding performance. And I think he vaults into our uh, rankings as the steeple favorite now, right? I think he has to, right? I mean, because the, the difference is that he's not just some random guy who came out of nowhere, right? I mean, he came in this past year with an 835 PR, I think. And we saw him during the indoor track season. He was certainly improved in his overall track times. But I think we looked at that and we said, okay, this kind of makes sense. He's an 835 steeplechaser. You'd expect some of that fitness to translate over. But to then come out and run 823, have all those non-steeplechase marks now to back him up in All-American performance, top times, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And oh, by the way, he has championship experience from before his time at the NCAA. It's not just how fast he ran. It, how fast he ran is wildly impressive. But now it's everything else that goes into that. And I'm thinking... It, Ryan Smeaton, the top returner from you know from uh, national performance wise and from time wise, he's not even within four seconds now with looking at those PRs. It, it's pretty absurd. I don't see anyone right now threatening Jaziri, and, and maybe uh, you know all it takes is one bad steeplechase fall for these things to happen. But I mean, Jaziri's the guy. Yeah, I, I agree. He he'd shown a lot of promise, obviously, during the indoor season that he was adapting to the the new training extremely well. But I don't think any of us were expecting a 12-second PR for him. Um, and I think the same could be said about his teammate, um, Pedro Garcia Palencia, um, who ran 8.38. He was seated at 8.48. Uh, he's, uh, we know the EKU guys. Um, we see them around a lot uh, as we are in the OVC together. Um, and he re- had just run 8.54, and we, we thought that was a pretty strong run for him. I think he did that at Raleigh. So for him to drop 16 seconds, and is the NCAA number two time in the country, it is pretty wild. It's just, 
for EKU, it's just like another day, you know, like we, you know, we talk about BYU in Portland a lot in terms of like what they do to the steeplechase, but EKU, maybe they don't have like the annual depth that we see on a consistent basis from Portland and BYU, but it's every time, like there's always someone new, like Samuel Baskell and, and Jermaine Coleman are recent names and uh, Rotich and, you know, there's other guys that have come through this program and it's just not a surprise now where they just pick up random guys from – not random. They're, I'm sure they're talented or whatever. You get what I'm saying. But you take these international athletes who are good, but they're not great, and then they just transform them into true NCAA contenders. The youth is what really gets me, um, but I guess that's what gives him the ceiling to make that improvement. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I don't know what else to say other than that. It's, it's really impressive. OVC steeplechase is always really, really good. I, I mean, heck, I have a teammate who just ran 849. So like, and he, he's right. like third in in the conference, which which is pretty wild. Um, but we also saw at the uh, we also saw more fast times. Parker Stokes at the Virginia Challenge ran 838 in that same race at EKU. We saw Remy Shines of Butler run 840. Uh, we also saw Jonathan Besslink and Cameron Ponder run 841. I mean, I, I think for a lot of these guys, it wasn't he- surprising results like Ponder and Shins, but for guys like Stokes and Besseling, these, these seem like really breakout performances to really put themselves at the front of this steeplechase group. Yeah, and I love what Butler has done with mm-hmm. that group. I mean, you know, shines, you know, shins, shines, whatever it may be. Um, he's he comes from EKU, EKU. as well, yep, so we know so, <laughs> kind of knew, you know, kind of what was going on there. Um, but yeah, I mean, but what Butler's doing is really impressive because they also had great 1500 depth, which we might talk about a little bit later, um, which is in that, at that same meet, they then have like three guys. They also had like, uh, you know, Clark Ott or whatever, Ott Clark, whatever his name was, ran 845. It's just like, we, we're, he's not even on this list. And Butler is now three guys who are running 845 or faster. The, the willingness to go into the transfer portal is paying off incredibly well for them between shins between um, between Besselink, between uh, Pierre Detrobe from this past cross-country season, between a few other guys who I'm not even thinking about off the top of my head, it's really paying off for them. And then also, uh, when it comes to Parker Stokes, I'm a big fan. I, I love what he did last weekend at the or a few weekends, whenever it was. He ran Joe 343 Walker. for 15... Was it Joe Walker? So Joe Walker, 343 for 1,500 meters. Outstanding time. But I knew that he was a steeplechase guy in high school. And I knew that he was pretty darn good. So to see him then translate that to an 838, knowing Georgetown's history with the steeplechase is pretty solid as well. I I really, really like what we see out of Stokes. Certainly faster than I expected. 838's no joke, but Stokes is a guy where I'm like, oh, that's my guy for the rest of the season. And I, I hope I'm not making a mistake. I, I feel similarly about Ponder. I, I think what he's done uh, between the indoor season and, and what he's done in the 15 so far this outdoor season i think running 841 i think he obviously would have probably liked to finish a little higher up and beaten a few of those guys uh, a few more of those guys at eku but between the closing speed that he has with with what he's shown in the 15 and, and to run 841 I, I think ponder would be someone that would fare really well in a regional and a national kind of setting uh moving forward in the steeple yeah he's great i mean you could say that about a lot of these guys yeah. i do agree with you that Jaziri, I mean, Ponder Jaziri kind of match up in terms of what they were doing on the indoor oval, maybe Jaziri a little more than Ponder, but there's a lot of similarities there in terms of like what I like about them. Um, So I I agree. I think Ponder is maybe 
like a Jaziri light, if you will. Yeah. Um, like, you know, he's certainly not running 823, but 841's not bad either. Absolutely. And on the women's side, we saw some incredibly fast times too. Joyce Camelli running 937, Chrissy Gear 945, Grace Mancini running 950. And, and I guess Camelli's now like the favorite in every event at this point. I, I mean, goodness sakes, it, she, her track season has just been incredible she's run well indoor outdoor and to run a 937 ncaa lead in the steeple i mean what can't she do so she's the favorite right i think she's definitely the favorite i now wonder i'm like okay so steeple 5k double a lot of people don't it's realistic or what happens when she runs a fast 10k which she very well could and she could lead the nation and if you're looking at the 10K right now, I mean, sure, Mercy Chalengot's in there. Grace Forbes is in there. But nothing stands out in a huge way. Right. Nothing that really is like, whoa. Now, granted, that could change. But if we're going to also, if we're going to look at the men's side and be like, wow, we've gotten all their fast times out of the way, is that does that mean the same thing's happening for the women? You know, like there's still plenty of talent, but what do you think on that? I, I just don't think when you look at the schedule ahead there aren't a whole lot of meets left to run the 10k i i mean you look at it even just from the east perspective i mean the the places you go to get your 10k are raleigh and virginia and, and we've already had those and then you're looking at two or three weeks left to run a 10k before conference and you're probably not going to do that the week before conference so that it's either this coming weekend or the week after and and frankly i don't see a whole lot of meets on the schedule that I, I'm going to, we're going to see a really elite 10K. So, I, I mean, maybe she ends up doing it. Obviously, she could probably solo a qualifying time. And then if that's what they want to do with her to run the 5K, 10K double. But at this point, it's hard for me to see her jumping in like a really fast 10K. Um, and, and that kind of, I, I think if they would have done that, that would have been this weekend. I will say this. The SEC Championships is probably one of the few conference races where Camelli could actually go get that 10K time with the Arkansas women in that field, with the Alabama women in that field. Um, now we'll actually see what happens there. Sometimes those races just turn tactical and that's how they work. But yeah, I, I would agree with you that Camelli has limited time, but I think she's also good enough to go out and get that time. And then for her coaching staff to kind of look at this and just say, Hey, listen, steeplechase, it's it's a variable event. You can get tripped up. All it takes is one fall and you're in trouble. And, we, and we've seen that in the past. And especially well, 2019. Yep. I mean, my gosh. Like <laughs> it was a it was just complete a like a, there was a bloodbath. It was a complete bloodbath. You saw like three guys go down on the final lap. Like who could forget Brian Barraza in like 2018 yeah. or whatever it was? I mean, you know, like and that's just on the men's side. And the women, you know, like it, it takes one thing to happen. And the 10K, you can at least control what's happening on the track. So um, I, I almost am incentivized to think that the 10K is still an option. But I do think that if she goes all in for the steeplechase, Cambelli is the favorite. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, well, let's turn our focus to the 5K. Um, we saw a lot of really strong times across the board and, and a few different meets. Um, the one I want to lead off with on the men's side is Charles Hicks running 13-34 taking down a strong field at the West Coast Classic. I, I it, it just seems like every challenge that gets put in front of him, he, he just knocks it out of the park. I, I mean, it's hard for me to find a single race that he's done this between this winter 
in this spring where he hasn't done exactly like everything that you would want from him in that particular spot. He has been exceptional and really, really good. Um, I will say this cross country. There's certainly tactics involved, but there's not as many speed related tactics involved as you would when it comes to a final 200 meters. He has pretty much blown away his competition in the past two instances, both in the 10K and 5K, which is really solid. I still want to see what his speed is like and how he handles a tactical race, which we might see at the Pac-12 championships, Mm -hmm. very well possible. Um, But it it does make me wonder, you know, kind of how that's going to work out for him. And that's the only thing I want to see. Other than that, he's been, you know, outstanding, super talented. I have no reason to doubt him right now. But also his competition has been basically his Stanford teammates. And and that's I'm not saying that's it. There's obviously been a few other guys in there who have been really talented, but you largely get the gist. Yeah, I mean, his teammate Alec Parsons was right behind him in 1336. Um, and, and I think the other big race that we saw in the 5K was at the Virginia Challenge. We saw Zach Faccioni take down Robert Brandt and Thomas Ratcliffe. Uh, the front two running 1335, Ratcliffe running 1336. I mean, this was a battle of a bunch of 339, 1500 guys, which is a pretty wild thing to say um, for for these 5K, 10K kind of talents. And this did not disappoint. Coming down to the wire, uh, the Wake Forest star just nipping Brandt at the end. I, I mean, you got to like all three of these moving forward in the regional and national scene. Yeah, I just want to correct myself. Going back to Hicks, I looked at his 10K. He was pushed. He had Alex Masai and, and oh, Tibbo right. Proctor and, and a few other guys. So that, that Stanford Invitational 10K was was pretty competitive. But nonetheless, let me go back to this now. Um, the When it comes to Faccioni and Ratcliffe, well, I think for Faccioni at least, we were definitely saying, hey, this is uh, – the 5K is going to be his best mm-hmm. distance, right? It doesn't shock me that he went under 1340. I think the same thing can be said for Ratcliffe and obviously Brandt as well. But the idea that he took down Robert Brandt, where on paper, when you combine his 10K stamina and his 1500 speed, this is supposed to be his best event. He ran 1324, I think, back in early March for 5K. This is to take down Brandt is is a big deal. Um, I do now think that Brandt, you know, I, I think this still solidifies Brandt goes after 10K, 5K. Um, and yeah, he didn't win, but still a solid performance. But for Faccioni, this is like, okay. You're, you ran 339, but 1335, beating this field as fast as you did, especially because I think the 5K is going to be fast at the national championships, mm-hmm. and he's going to have to beat those guys and edge them out and run that fast. I think that's encouraging, and I like that. I, I'm going to ask you a question. With Thomas Ratcliffe running 1336, really solid time, but 339, just beat Tubby and Faccioni. You know, what, what do you see here? Yeah, and, and you, I, I saw that you touched on this in your article. I, I think I still lean 5K, but I, I mean, I think the appeal for the 1500 is definitely there for him uh, after that success. I, it, you just look at the 1500 field, and, and I mean, I think there's 15 or 20 guys that are under 340 right now across the country. And, and I mean, I, I remember years where we would have a quarter of that many at this point in the season, and, and so I. The fact that he ran 339 is great, but that alone doesn't even guarantee that he'll make it to nationals. Like, I I think that in terms of 
getting two nationals, I think five Ks is better shot, whether or not he's going to be able to score as well once he gets there in the five K. I think that's an open question. Ben, I, th- I think you're just trying to, to miss up the 1500 <laughs> field in the East region here. You'd be like Thomas Ratcliffe. Nah, man, you, yeah, you can yeah, go to the, <laughs> you go to 5k, man. You're, you're better than that. Uh, but no, I, I, I will say this. I do think he will pursue the 5k because I think it can be more tactical, especially mm-hmm. in the East region. And depending on what the heats work and how, how all that jazz works out. And I think that 1500 speed comes into play for him. And I think it, it works out. So I do think that there is an argument for the 5K for Ratcliffe, for sure. Yeah, and, and I mean, I, I don't think he could go wrong, really. I mean, he's obviously thrown down good times in both events. Um, right. On the women's side, we saw Hannah Steelman, I, I think probably one of the performances of the week, running 15.30. I, I mean, just having an absolutely great day, um, just beating off a, a horde of other really good, talented runners. We saw Bailey Hertenstein running 15.38, Jenna Magnus 15.40, Jessica Drop 15.41. Caitlin Tui, 1547, uh, across the weekend, just a lot of fast times. But I, I think Steelman's really stands out in a in a year where we haven't seen a whole lot of women like scare that 1530 barrier uh, during the outdoor season. No, I mean, this is great, but it also, like, she's in the title conversation. I don't know if you saw this as I touched on it too. Yeah. She's in the title conversation now in the 5K, but I think you and I would both be very surprised if she did not go for the steeplechase as well. Yes. And that comes before the 5K at the Outdoor National Meet. Now, as, as if for anyone who hasn't read the article, can you run the steeplechase 5K double? Yes. Can you win the 5K after running the steeplechase, after running the steeplechase finals? Probably not. It's it, probably not. It's going to be really hard. So I don't know what she ends up doing. I think she still does the Stephen Chase 5K finals, but I just don't know in the grand scheme of things when we, when we talk about national titles, I just don't know if that's going to really matter much if she does the double. Yeah, I think if she was that much better than everyone else in the steeplechase, and, and maybe if Camelli hadn't just run this 937, I would feel better about her double chances. But she's going to get pushed like in the steeplechase, especially if Camelli's in there. And if she has to go into the well in that steeple, I it, it is just... It's hard to imagine there's going to be a lot of other good, talented options as favorites in the 5K, even if they're doubling back from a 10K, um, by, which makes it just seem so unlikely that she would be able to pull off. I mean, maybe she pulls off double American, and I, I think that's definitely uh, in the cards, but I, I think getting two top three finishes would be extremely difficult. Yeah, I, I think she, if Jane was going to do it, she can yeah. uh, get two top three. I just don't know if she's going to win that national title in the 5K. Uh, I think she could in the steeple. I think obviously it's going to be tricky, especially with how well Camille just ran. But I, I think she the 5K national title is going to be pretty tricky. So I agreed. Um, did you have any thoughts about anybody else? Um, I think Tui, it was nice to see her kind of uh, hit the track running again and, and run a 1547 starting to show some of that talent from high school once again. Um, but I mean, a lot of these other results, I mean, Hernstein, Magnus drop, I, I have had, ta- have had really good years, obviously talented runners. It's not surprising to see them around that 1540 range. Right. Just real quick. Hertenstein running 1538. I've said on multiple occasions, run the 5k, run the 5k. <laughs> and she just kept doing these 1500s and miles and maybe a 3k in there. I don't know. And I was like, what are you doing? Run the 5K. And guess what? I was right. She ran 1538. It's 
it's finally so like, oh, cool. You listen to the podcast or the Indiana <laughs> guys. Shout out, shout out, or you read the site, whatever it is. Um, I'm totally taking credit for that time. So FYI. I mean, based off what she's done in Cross alone, you you would say run the 5K, right? Right. I mean, that's it. <laughs> yeah, it's just she hadn't, and I don't think she ever had run a collegiate 5K or something like that. Some like, crazy thing like that. And I was like, what are we doing here? So, all right, let's let's move on. I'll just keep ranting. <laughs> all right, let's go to the 1500. Um, and once again, just it, it just seems like week after week, we just see these crazy times, sub 415, for the women sub 340 for the men um we saw ryan adams go 337 just missed that olympic trials qualifying time um but pull off a really solid win um and jesse hamlin of butler who i had not heard of uh before this weekend run 338 his butler teammates uh simon bedard and ewan mcpeace running 339 and 340 also in that race we saw baldwin uh magnuson run 340 and then at North Florida, we saw Kate Bethman run 341. I, I mean, it, the, the East is wild. And a lot of these guys probably, or some of these guys won't end up running the 1500. It's just incredible to see 5K, maybe even 10K guys showing this kind of speed this early in the season. Yeah, it's really encouraging for tactical races, especially at the East Regional Meets. Um, but yeah, it's it's a tricky balance for some of these guys like Jesse Hamlin's 338 awesome super super cool now let's just see hey what is your ability to replicate this cuz this kind of came out of nowhere Ryan Adams super great win 337 took down a bunch of super fast and impressive names but i would have liked to see him still run a little bit better positioning or at least finish higher up in that field of elite milers from Joe Walker and still run slower um, but already make peace. They're probably not 1500 guys. It's probably, this is probably good for them more for the 5k, 10k that becomes tactical. Maybe that applies more for the East regional championships, but I don't know about the NCAA championships and then Kate Bethman. And I'm just going to get rolling through here. 341. It might end up being his best event of the season. The problem is that the 1500 is so darn competitive that what's his incentive to run the 1500, even if his 800 is relatively not as good this season. So I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, and that's kind of the the takeaway. Looking at Bethman is honestly a perfect like view of the East Regional this year. You look at his 800 time, and, and he's run 148, and he's way higher ranked in that event than the 15, even after running a 341, which ostensibly is maybe a faster time relative to that event. And you, you kind of look around at that 800. Obviously, you got Finley McClear in there on the east side. But after that, it's kind of like, I mean, there it, the door is pretty wide open. You, you have, like, I mean, t- another two good examples of this are the two Lipscomb guys who have both run 148, uh, Shane Strake and uh, Jonathan Swin. But I've also run 341, 342. What, what do they do? I, I mean, honestly, like, right. you're, you're going up against some really tough names in the 15. And even if they probably see themselves as 1500 runners, it, it, it'll be interesting to see kind of what guys like Bethman and those guys will do uh, when it comes to the regional declarations. Yeah, that's a great point. I'll be fascinated. I think that's those guys like the Bethmans and the strikes, like you mentioned, I think those are guys that are going to be really crucial to catch. Yeah, absolutely. And then on the women's side, we saw uh, Mati Skyring and Michaela Meyer run 411, Kennedy Thompson 412. Uh, Katie Camarena, uh, four thirteen. Ella Donahue, four fourteen. Uh, I think the the performance that stuck out to me was Myers, four eleven. I, I mean, 
her transferring to Virginia from Delaware after her really, what was it? 203 really incredible yep. performance uh, yep. last indoor season. And she's just built on that in a huge way. Um, obviously running 201 in the 800, like we mentioned earlier, but also 411 in the same weekend. I, I mean, she just looks like a completely, uh, just a complete runner across the board and even stronger than she was last year. And I like her a lot in the 1500, if that's where, where she ends up going. I also like her in the 1500. And, I, and it's, for, there's just so much to take away because that 203 from last winter came out of nowhere at the mm-hmm. time. She had run like previous like 207. She was talented, but it came out of nowhere. So when she transferred as a graduate transfer to Virginia, I was kind of like, okay, you know, like let's see if you can really replicate that magic of four second PR. You kind of had your your momentum thrown off by the pandemic. I wasn't really a believer, if I'm just going to be blunt. And she has put me to shame. Uh, 201, 411, it's incredible. The problem is that the 800 is so wildly deep and so wildly front heavy. 411 is good enough to the point where it's like, hey, you've got 800 speed. You're one of the top 1,500 meter runners in the nation. Why would you maybe not go after the 1,500, which seems to be a lot more wide open right now, especially if Moo's going to run to 800. So yeah, it's another one of those instances where it's like, this might be your best event, but you should probably consider doing elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Skyring, I think that was a really strong performance for her. Um, just, just kind of getting her nose back into the 1500 and running that good of a time. Um, and, and you mentioned in the article, Thompson's 412, I think really validates, um, what she did this indoor season, uh, even though she had a fantastic indoor season to do it on the outdoor oval, I think is, uh, further, further shows that she really needs to be taken, uh, taken seriously as a threat in those middle distance events. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, she was great. I, this was kind of the performance where, I don't know, just something about it. I was just like, this kind of hits the, like, this is the performance, even though she lost, that makes you go, this this was this was one that really validates her as Arkansas is a true top ace for Arkansas, even on that loaded roster. Absolutely. And then uh, elsewhere this weekend, we saw a few quick 10Ks. Um, Adrian Wildshit running 28-25 uh, and Amanda Vestry running 32-43. Uh, nothing crazy from either of these two. I think these are times well within what we would have expected from them. Um, and really the 10K in general, it, we saw some sub 29s. We saw some decent times on the women's side that should qualify for regionals, but but nothing that would really uh, surprise us on the national stage. No, I mean, Wild Shoots 28-25, was it? I think that's what it was. I mean, that yeah. was probably the most predictable performance yeah. of the weekend. Vestry too, like Vestry running that well. It's the 10K is really predictable, except I don't think anyone could have predicted that 37 men in mid-April would be under 30, 29 minutes for the 10K. That is absurd. I don't think people realize how insane that depth is. That I don't know if it's the cross-country fitness. I don't know if it's the spikes. I don't know if it's all the motivation that we have given them. I don't know what the case is, but 37 guys under 29 minutes is unreal when it comes to the amount of depth in that distance. The the West last qualifying position, 32nd, I think is like 2906. That's absurd. Which, That's unbelievable. It's wild. I mean, the, the East is, I, I think, a little further back. It might be 2930, 2940. But like, I, I mean, it is just insane how hard it is just to make regionals in the 10K. That's absurd. I remember there was one year I was looking back where I was like, 
eight or 12 guys like had gone under 29 prior to regionals. Like it, it just, it's craziness. So that's really the only thing I have to say about that. But wild shoot investors were fairly predictable. So yeah, absolutely. Well, let's wrap it there. Um, we had a really good weekend of action this past weekend. I, I think we'll have some more this week. Uh, Drake relays coming up a few other big meets that we'll have our eyes on. Um, Garrett, you have anything to plug before we head out? Hey, rate and review. We got one. We're looking for another. All right, let's keep the train going. We're building momentum, and when we hit the postseason, I'm just saying, we're going to try to get maybe 120. Dare I say 120? We'll see. Let's get it. All right, well, until next week, I'll talk to you, Garrett. I'll talk to you.